Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 136, an interview with the Turkey Man author, Thomas Pirro. And I am your host and the guy who almost got grounded this weekend. Okay, not really. So, my wife has some family coming in from out of town this coming weekend. And this past weekend, she kind of looked around and thought that not as much stuff has gotten done around the house as what she wants. So, I had to abandon any sort of a fishing trip that I had in the works and stick around the house. But, I did manage to squeeze in the building of four feeders over the weekend. A buddy of mine had given me four empty 55-gallon plastic barrels, and I have turned them into gravity feeders. So, I got a little property management project completed. That was a good thing. And of course, it's never too early because we are 287 days, 12 hours, 28 minutes, and 20 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama and I want to start out today's show by doing something that I haven't done in a while and that is to show a little bit of love to you guys who listen to the show using a different player than iTunes or Podbean. So the show has been on Stitcher Radio for quite some time and despite that there are only five reviews on Stitcher. And I know quite a few of you guys listen to the show on Stitcher. I actually listen to the podcast that I listen to using Stitcher myself. And you can leave reviews on Stitcher. So I've gotten some reviews on here that I haven't read and have not been addressed. And I want to touch on those pretty quickly because I think they're great reviews. And I want to thank my friend Ben Carlson for leaving a review on Stitcher. He says five stars, excellent content. When I first discovered the Turkey Hunter podcast, I was extremely skeptical when it came to thinking of Rednecks podcasting. But upon listening, there are two things that became very evident after a few episodes of this podcast. And they are that Andy has an incredible passion for hunting wild turkeys and that he will do whatever it takes to make his listeners better wild turkey hunters. This podcast is truly an invaluable resource for all pursuers of the long beard. Thank you, Ben, for leaving that review. Also, I have enjoyed interacting with you on Twitter over the past, so I appreciate you very much. Also, a five-star 
rating from MU Fish Grad. Mu Fish Grad. And the review starts out saying, Great show. I discovered this podcast about a day or two ago. I listened to an episode or two and became hooked on it. I like to listen to this when I'm at work and I find it entertaining and informative. I learn a lot from this and it helps me since I'm relatively new to the world of turkey hunting with only three years of hunting on my own since my dad took me out when I was a kid. Thank you, Mewfish grad. I am glad that we can help you to learn some more about the awesome sport of turkey hunting. We got another five-star rating from Tyrion's Door. And Tyrion's Door says, Finally, a friend to teach the sport. I started turkey hunting late, and as soon as I realized how challenging the sport was, I wished I had a friend, uncle, somebody to guide me. Andy is so helpful and encouraging in his podcast that I feel like I finally found that person. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Tyrion's Door. I appreciate that. That is the whole goal in this podcast, is to help you guys out. And if I can help you to feel more comfortable or confident in the turkey woods, then I feel like it's a matter of time before the birds start to flop. So today's a big day. Today is May 31st. And I want to welcome those of you from Maine, New York, Pennsylvania, Idaho, Washington, and the other states whose spring turkey season ended this last week of May. And I want to welcome you to, and I want to welcome you to the Poked Out Bottom Lip Club. I hope your season ended the way that you hoped it would. And remember, next season preparations start today. So, let's get started. Part of getting us ready for next turkey season is learning all we can about wild turkeys, turkey hunting strategies and tactics, gear, calling, callers, our hunting land, etc., etc. So, some of that learning we're all going to do can and will be done right here on this podcast every single week. Some of that learning will have to be done in the woods, learning the lay of the land, learning some woodsmanship, and the habits and patterns of your turkeys on your property. And some of that learning needs to be done from textbooks. Okay, so they're not really textbooks, but they are books that are full of text. So can I get a pass on that phrase? There are lots of really good books out there that we can buy, that we can learn a great deal about our addiction from. One of those textbooks that I want you guys to add to your summer reading list is Turkey Men by Thomas Pirro. Turkey Men is a book of interviews of the men who have completed the super slam of turkey hunting, which, as most of you know, is killing a turkey in each of the 49 states that have wild turkeys. I recently completed the book, and I can tell you without a doubt that this is a book that most of us can learn something from. Whether you are interested in pursuing a super slam or you're not, and you just want to kill your very first turkey. Despite a very few minor editing oversights, this is a book that I highly recommend for you guys. From entertaining stories to great pictures to an author who knows how to tell a great story himself to lots and lots of turkey hunting tips, this book has something in it for every turkey hunter of every experience level. 
So, while I could ramble on about how great of a book this is, I'd rather let the man who wrote it, edited it, and published it tell you about the book. So, here's Tom Piro, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today, Tom Piro. I want to talk to Tom about his newest book that he has out that I think we're all going to be very interested in. And I met Tom at the NWTF convention. He'd actually emailed me a couple of times before the convention and mentioned his book and that he had a copy for me. So I swung by his booth, picked up a copy of the book, and that book kept me going with some reading material through turkey season. So as much as I could keep my eyes awake at night laying in bed, I would knock off three or four pages a night, and there's no question about it. I really could have sat down had I not been in the throes of turkey season, I could have sat down and read the book in one sitting. I enjoyed it that much. I got that much out of it. And so when I finished the book, I said, well, I need to get Tom on the show just to talk about the book. And I've got questions for him. So I think it's a great opportunity for you guys listening to get familiar with the book, to learn a little bit about Tom, and to listen to me pick his brain about some things about the book. So. Tom, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. How are you and where are you? <laughs> sure, Andy. I'm delighted to be with you and your all your listeners. I am just outside of Seattle. Okay. So we're a couple thousand miles apart. Yeah. I'm more or less in the Seattle suburbs, just slightly to the northeast of the uh, city. And a gorgeous spring day here with a bright blue sky. So nice. Looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys get very many of those? <laughs> uh, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but from now through October, this is about the best weather in the United States. Oh, wow. Okay, we'll keep that our secret then. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So tell me a little bit about yourself, and your company is Wild River Press. Tell me a little bit about Wild River Press as well before I start picking your brain about Sure. Well, I've, I'm a journalist, and that's what I went to school for and have edited fishing and hunting publications, both magazines and books, for oh more than 40 years. I was the first full-time editor of Trout Unlimited way back in the late 1970s and did that for a good long stretch. And ever since I was a kid growing up in New England, I've always fished and hunted. My hunting, which is going to probably be of most interest to your your listeners back then was uh, mostly grouse hunting rough grouse hunting a little bit of pheasant hunting and duck hunting i used to hunt wood ducks and black ducks and out of a canoe and mm-hmm. some decoying so that's primarily my my hunting background i i hunt a little bit now for example last year i was pheasant hunting in south dakota I've done a little bit of turkey hunting to kind of get an idea what it's about, but uh, by no means do I consider myself a, an expert. I certainly enjoy myself when I get out there. But Wild River Press, to follow up, is a small, essentially custom book publishing company that I started a dozen years ago, specializing in fishing and hunting books, high high quality, at least I believe they're high quality fishing and hunting books. Mm-hmm. And we've won a good many national awards for various titles we produced. 
And Turkey Men is a project that I've had in mind for several years and finally just kicked it off by a year, just about a year ago, buying a bunch of airplane tickets and traveling around visiting with turkey hunters. Yeah, obviously we're going to dig into that more because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you told me that you are a diehard fisherman. Well, I'm yeah, I'm primarily a fly fisherman. I've done other kinds of fishing over the years as well, but but I suppose my core experience has been fly fishing. I uh, not only was I the editor of Trout Magazine way back when, but I also have started and edited a couple of other fly fishing magazines over the years, and as a result, have been able to f- fish all over. I've fished in the Indian Ocean, I've fished in Argentina, Iceland, all over Canada. Alaska, pretty much you name it, anywhere there's a fish to be caught on a fly rod, I've been there. Yeah, that's cool. So how does a fisherman get interested in the topic of turkey hunting and really what you did was track down some of the best turkey hunters in the country and interview them? So what really was your motivation and purpose in writing Turkey Men? Well, I won't give you too complicated an answer. The quick answer is that a number of years ago, I was writing a story about a quail and pheasant plantation in Florida hunting. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the fellow who was running this operation, it's kind of a high-end sporting club, was a guy named Jeff Buds, who Mm -hmm. is the lead interviewee in Turkey Men. And so I was chatting with him back then, this is half a dozen years ago or so, chatting with him about hunters and I wanted to get into I published a string of fishing books and I wanted to get into publishing some some hunting material and thought that wild turkeys would be a likely subject and I I kind of look back on it now and laugh cuz I I asked him uh did he know any any expert turkey hunters <laughs> he kind of looked at me with a blank face and said, who do you think you're talking with? <laughs> so we kind of went from there, and then he invited me to come down and, and experience a turkey hunt, and that's kind of how it all how it all started. And as I said, a year ago, I, I've been thinking about just how to do such a book. I certainly wasn't going to haul off and pretend to be a, a turkey expert. And frankly, I I read know oh, I don't know half a dozen purchased and read a half a dozen different how-to turkey books and wasn't terribly impressed from a literary point of view, a mm-hmm. uh, graphic point of view, and, you know, approached it kind of the way I do most of my book projects, which is, you know, with a little bit of hubris maybe, but, uh, you know, I, I can do better. And so I thought about it for pretty much last winter and spring and, and came up with this idea of using the theme of the so-called super slam the achievement of killing a wild turkey in all 49 states where they exist. The only places you know where they don't exist is Alaska. They breed, they've been introduced to Hawaii, and they breed prolifically there in certain places. And so I just thought that was a pretty remarkable feat for anybody to do, just to the endurance aspect of it, if nothing else. And I personally enjoy traveling and, and just the thought of it as, as, as quite the adventure, and that's what it amounts to. I just thought it would be a good a good way to 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 get in the minds of of these obviously very experienced hunters, 
and get them to tell some of their stories and uh, in the process share some information, if not downright secrets. And that's exactly what they all did. I, every every individual to a man was was most gracious and forthcoming. I had no idea. I mean, when I picked up the phone and started, the only guy I knew was Buds, as I said. I didn't know mm-hmm. any of these other fellows. And I basically tracked them down. Only half of the dozen individuals I interviewed, incidentally, have quote-unquote officially achieved a super slam, meaning that they're recorded on the website of the National Wild Turkey Federation, meaning they've registered all the birds as they've gotten them over the years. Half a dozen of, of them, the people I interviewed, had not done that. Nonetheless, as a journalist, I wasn't going to let that stand in my way. If I you know, was convinced that they really did do what they said they had done, why uh, I felt that they deserved to be in the book as well. Right. How long did it take you to track all these guys down that are in volume one of Turkey Men? Pretty cool. Well, I tracked them all down at once, all 12 guys. The, the, the Six of them are in this book, and then six will be in volume two. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually was able to track them down pretty swiftly. I think within within about a week, I was able, because again, half of them are you know, publicly listed on the Federation's website. So that was a pretty, okay. pretty easy. Yeah. And, and then the half a dozen others, you know, it's a pretty sprawling hunting community, as you well know, better than I, and spread out all across the United States. And, you know, just who knows how many, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands anyway, of avid turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. But Within this small clique, they seem to all kind of know each other, or they know know of each other, and so it was it wasn't that big a deal. A more daunting challenge was how I was going to interview them. You know, I've done many interviews over the phone, as you do, and that certainly would have been one way to do it. But the more I thought about it, I thought that it, that I'd get a much more authentic view of these people, these men, if I could muster the energy and the resources to actually go visit them. And so that's ultimately what I decided to do, go sit down with every single one of them in their hunting rooms or their, you know, across the kitchen table or whatever, mm-hmm. and ask them to tell me their stories. So at that point, when you started contacting them, how long did it take you from the time that you did your first interview until you said, okay, well, I've got enough content for volume one? Oh, well... Actually, what happened was that I did. I met with ten of the twelve individuals in one fell swoop. Oh, I wow. just bought a an armload of airline tickets and started in Texas, just outside of Houston, and then just kept flying up what I now refer to as the Turkey Crescent, right mm-hmm. by your neck of the woods, Louisiana, Florida, right up through the Virginias and into Pennsylvania. I, I did that in about three weeks. Wow. And uh, I've, I've done a lot of traveling in my life, but I've never done anything like that. I mean, it was we're talking about up and down in the airplanes, jump in the rental car, you know, drive somewhere to a motel or whatever, and then go visit with an individual or a couple of people a day after. So I was, I was definitely on the move. Yeah. And, and then uh, because of ske- a ske- slight scheduling issue, I had to go back to Indiana where I interviewed a gentleman there and then another fellow uh, flew up to meet us from Georgia. And so I interviewed those two guys together a couple of weeks later in mid-July. But I basically pulled it all off in about a month. And then I, 
I got home and I spent months transcribing the, the tapes and editing, etc. And it was, and, and I should say also that when I was visiting with these guys, I, I took advantage of the opportunity to cherry pick their photo albums and, oh, and yeah. so on. And, and, and a lot of them, all of them really were very cooperative and they collected digital, you know, newer digital photos. But I mean, some of these guys have been hunting for decades. So they had, you know, old snapshots and a lot of very cool stuff that documented their own hunting experience. And so, uh, you know, I basically came home with a haul of all that material, not only the, the uh, conversations, but also all these pictures. And it, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been editing magazines and books for, for many, many years. And so I have a pretty good idea what's required to, you know, to dig through this stuff. And, and, and mm. it, it was immediately obvious to me, probably was on, on my airplane ride home, actually, that either this thing was going to be some sort of behemoth of a doorstop book or it was going to have to come out in a couple of volumes. Yeah. And having published a couple of those blockbuster type books of five or 600 pages, I just, I just didn't think that was a, a, a good format for, for this particular subject, nor would most turkey hunters, I think, be willing to shell out a hundred bucks for, for this giant volume. So that, that's that's essentially what led me fairly quickly to the decision to come out with come out with these published conversations is what they really are in uh, a couple of phases or a couple of steps. Yeah. So I know from experience it's pretty difficult to get a turkey hunter on the telephone during turkey season to talk about turkey hunting, but you can generally, if it's not turkey season, you can get them on the telephone to talk about turkey hunting pretty much any other time of the year and they almost won't stop talking about it. So what time of year did you conduct these interviews and did you find that they were pretty forthcoming with information to answer your questions? Yeah, I, I did all the interviews, all my traveling and all the interviews from approximately mid-June through mid-July. So it was right after the season. I, okay. I, and I was... I was smart enough to realize that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, but when I was, when I was rounding these guys up and, and it, with my initial phone calls, I did actually reach a couple of them in the woods and on their cell phone. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. And, and they had to call me back, you know, they, <laughs> but it all worked out just fine. And, uh, and I was very lucky and in retrospect, I was, I was very lucky that uh, they didn't have any, you know, big travel plans or family plans during right. that period. I, I, you know, I, it was, I was able to, as I said, pretty much in a in an orderly chronological way, I was able to jump around and, and meet with all of them. Yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the interviews and that I think you did a very good job of in the interviews is getting to know a little bit about each hunter, what their motivation behind pursuing the super slam was and then picking their brains about the process of going through that super slam you know kind of what were the states that they had to go back and revisit you know and how many states did that to go back and revisit and you know questions like that as well as even breaking it down to a question and i can't remember exactly which person it was that you interviewed and and in fact i think you may have asked the question a couple of times but 
asking the people that you were interviewing, okay, which state that you've hunted did did you find that the turkeys were most uncooperative in? And oh yeah, I asked everybody that. <laughs> yeah, and and so you know, there's just a lot of great information in there. Where did you come up with your questions for these interviews? Because I I do a lot of interviews myself, and sometimes questions can be hard to come up with. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Well. I've, as I said, I'm a lifelong journalist, and so I, I'm fairly experienced. I think it's fair to say in, in conducting interviews, I've conducted interviews of many different people all around the world, primarily yeah. fishermen, but, but some hunters as well. And personally, I enjoy reading interviews. I, as I mentioned in my introduction, you know, for all my life, really, ever since I started reading, which was as a kid, I've I've always been drawn to interviews. I remember, you know, the famous Playboy interviews. I remember Rolling Stone interviews. And I just find the form to be fresh and authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, I think if interviews are done well, whether they're as we are doing one now or, you know, it's transcribed and appears in print, I think if interviews are done well, you really get insights into people that you wouldn't otherwise because – while polished writing is certainly something to be admired, and those of us who enjoy books and reading lo- love well-turned phrases and so on, still there's something raw and, and I say almost visceral about getting an individual to sort of bear his or her soul about what, what drives a particular passion and for me, with fishing and hunting, that's really at the root of it. And so that's just, that's always been a very natural, almost opening question. What, you know, why do you do this? What drives you? What, what? And that's always interesting with just about anybody. But with this, with, with this crowd, with, the, with this group of individuals who have spent, ye- plainly spent years and years obsessively pursuing a, a wild turkey in, in all these different geographies, all these different states across the, the, the country. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's even, to me, it was even more fascinating. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty much the basis for the whole thing. What, yeah. Why did you guys do this? And, and I got a, quite a range of answers. They weren't all exactly the same answers. Several of them started out to do it early on, Several other individuals kind of backed their way into it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one guy from Pennsylvania, for example, you know, said that it hadn't even occurred to him until he got about halfway there. And then his wife said, you know, why don't you just get all of them? And, and, and then, he, then he sort of, you know, put his head into the wind and actually started purposefully, you know, charting that course and yeah. figuring out, where, you know, where the, where the pins were, the, were going to go in the map next. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned something just a minute ago that I find pretty interesting. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you just say that you actually read the interviews in Playboy magazine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can... I can legitimately say with a straight face that I actually read those interviews. I remember <laughs> reading interviews with John Lennon, Jimmy Carter, way back in, in the day in the 70s. And that was great journalism. Playboy was great journalism. Uh, a lot of people you know, uh, may, may laugh about that now, but uh, they had the resources to hire the best journalists in the world. And 
you know, spend back when a dollar was a real dollar. I mean, they'd pay like Norman Mailer $10,000 to write a story, you know, but other, in other places as well, you know, it is a little bit funny saying that, I suppose. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that, glad to know that I've met someone who actually read interviews and articles in the magazine. So that's good to know. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. So just, I guess, think back over, the interviews and it's been a while since you've done them so I'm not expecting you to know everything from every interview but while you're doing those interviews and and you're talking to these guys that are just absolutely obsessed with turkey hunting was there one common trait that you saw in each one of those hunters that you think makes them so good at what they enjoy doing yes these are woodsmen these are individuals who have spent a lifetime in the woods and whether it's wild turkey they and and many of them hunt other things as well they're most of them for example or right. one point or another have been avid deer hunters and that's the thing i said the 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 common element is that these guys are at home in the woods and you could put them out in the middle of anywhere and they would survive. They would find their way back. They would successfully do whatever it is that they're doing out there. Mm-hmm. So they're, I would, putting in a slightly different way, I would say that they're extraordinarily attuned to the natural world. And that's what makes them great hunters. Yeah, that's very well put. So, yeah, I, I, and I could definitely see that, not just from my experiences in being around very good turkey hunters, but also in reading the book and when you say that yes that is absolutely one thing that jumps out at you in reading those interviews is that is just what you said it's is the woodsmanship and you know so many of those guys say this in the interviews and i believe it 100 percent. i mean there's no there's nothing about me that makes me question this and i've said it in this podcast i can't tell you how many times but so many of the guys that you interviewed said you can kill turkeys by knowing the woods and knowing the turkeys and not ever having to call. And it's very true that calling is, for the most part, such a small part of what we do in the woods to to actually get an opportunity to take a turkey. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that stuck out to you in there as well. Yeah, and no matter how uh, expert several of these gentlemen are at calling, and several of them are real experts, won all kinds of competitions and so forth. Absolutely. No matter how competent and accomplished they are at that, again and again, they would downplay that and talk about knowing the terrain, Mm -hmm. knowing the surroundings, and anticipating what the bird was going to do before the bird did it. Again and again, they come back to that theme. Yeah. So being around those guys, you had to have picked up a few turkey hunting tips. So is there anything, any kind of tips that you picked up that you feel like you know, really stood out that you thought, huh, next time I go, I'm going to try this? Well, I think I pretty much just described it, knowing the, the lay of the land and and pretty much getting yourself situated in that particular partic- particular circumstance or those woods or fields or whatever and kind of letting it all unfold that's the that's the big thing that i think i came away with i don't know if that's a particular tip or trick or anything 
but it sure makes sense to me. And uh, and I mean, you know, lots of little things that you and your your listeners know a lot more about than I do. But the whole business of what to do with hung up birds and and all that, and uh, you know, wh- wh- how these guys. It was interesting to me that that a number of these guys approach their hunting in in different ways. Some, for example, like like the fly down birds and have a definite strategy that they follow a definite pattern that they follow with those in and in, in such a situation others prefer you know later in the morning one guy interestingly enough actually said that if he had to choose between spring hunting and fall hunting he'd go with fall hunting and he he hunts turkeys in new york state and pennsylvania with his his labrador retriever flushes them and then the Waits for the birds to come back. Calls them in that way. Whole yeah. whole different whole different program from the the vast majority of of uh, turkey hunters who obviously enjoy the spring and and you know revel in the in, in the green woods and the strutting birds and all that. But right. so all these guys approached it in their own little way. Nobody had exactly, as you remember, since you read the book, you didn't keep hearing the same things again and again. There were some, there were some commonalities, no question about it, some common themes. And when you talk about, you know, the guns and loads and all that, you get more or less the same answers, but the whole philosophy of what they're doing out there. And, and then of course their their individual experiences i mean some of the stories i just found hilarious you know one of the guys getting his delaware bird delaware is of course a tiny little state and one of these guys told a story you may recall about how he got out there before dawn sat sat up against a tree and when and when uh, light started creeping in realized that he was sitting next to an old this was in a state forest somewhere. He's sitting next to an old beat-up bed mattress, which was covered in various colored used condoms. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was one of the more outrageous stories that that, that I heard. But so that it's not, you know, it's we. I tried to have a little fun with these stories as well, and encourage these guys to 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 tell me some of the you know, about some of the more crazy experiences that they've had, and, and with individual birds as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's part of the value in that book for us turkey hunters, is we learn so much, and it's not just about, it's not just turkey hunting, heck, it's life, period, but we learn so much about things by listening to people's stories and being a part of those stories just through them sharing the experience with us. And so I think you did a great job in the book of getting those, some of those stories out of those guys and us being able to pick up some things from their experiences. Obviously, the mattress with condoms on it is not going to teach us a whole lot about turkey hunting, but it is awfully funny. It's a very good story. So when you were doing these interviews, and actually I guess even now that Volume 1 is done, and volume two is on the horizon. Did this experience spark any interest in you and turkey hunting more than you have in the past? Oh, yes. I definitely am planning to get out next spring. In fact, I'm compelled to get out next spring because one of these gentlemen, 
Daniel Rohr from, I haven't mentioned anybody's name yet, but I'll mention his. He's an older gentleman in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, and he was kind of, he's going to be in volume two. Mm -hmm. And he was kind enough to make me a custom call, a custom box call. He has a little workshop. And he he was the first individual several years ago to officially be recognized by the National Wild Turkey Federation for his 49th state. Super Slam, and mm-hmm. so to commemorate that, he made a bunch of his friends beautiful custom box calls, and he was very gracious and and sent me one. So I must go out and use it. Absolutely, it wouldn't be good karma not to. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So I mentioned Volume Two. You've mentioned Volume Two. Do you have any idea when Volume Two may be? released and available for us turkey addicts we're aiming for to have that out for christmas okay the material is all here it's been as i said it's it's been in the the can so to speak for almost a year now it's just a matter of my uh putting it all together uh, manufacturing a book is a very long involved process a lot more than the average person may realize so it it takes me uh it's going to take me a couple of months to go through all that material and edit the conversations. I try to take a great deal of care in doing the editing. I want to edit just enough, but not too much. And I think you 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 saw that and felt felt that when you read the books. That I hope anyway that you you are hearing real voices speak. And I left in as many colloquialisms and common phrases and even even a few. Uh, patches of bad grammar because that's the way these guys spoke and and so out of respect to their the their, their real voices that's the way I try to present it and that's not as easy as it sounds because you've got to go in and and you know sentence by sentence carefully consider things and people naturally in in the very conversation we're having as an example people speak in uh, in fits and starts and you don't always you don't always finish a sentence and and maybe you miss misspeak and wish you would have said something a little differently well everybody's like that and so it's my job as the editor to go in and you know and buff it up just enough so that it's presentable and everything but doesn't lose that that authentic sound and authentic voice yeah so you know, I didn't mean to sound like I'm skipping ahead because you've got volume one out there now that all of us can buy and we can all read now. Can you tell us how we can get a copy of Turkey Men and sure, it, would you be willing to grab one? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, well, I have a limited edition series actually that's bound in leather. It's very attractive, uh-huh. numbered 1 through 49 in honor of the Super Slam. And we still have, oh, I think a couple of dozen of those left. We've sold about half of them to collectors. So we have that. That's signed and numbered by me. Those are 149.95, I believe, and the standard edition is 49.95. And people can get those directly from me, from my publishing company, Wild River Press. We also have a little website called TurkeyMen.com. You can go on there. We're going to expand that site actually in in advance of the publication of Volume 2 later this year. But nevertheless, you can go on there and get a little taste for the interviews. And you could also, of course, 
telephone me directly at uh, 425-486-3638. So any one of those avenues will get you a book. Fantastic. Well, and I want to highly recommend the book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I've got you on phone with me here to interview you. I'm have, I, I have you on the phone to interview you because I thoroughly enjoyed the book. So, well, that's very kind of you, Andy. Well, and I appreciate you sharing a copy with me. I'm looking forward to Volume 2. I am something that you don't know about me. I'm actually in the process of pursuing a Super Slam as well. And I can just so totally relate to every one of those guys who completed it. And, you know, listening to their experiences and listening to what they went through to get to that point, you know, it's good for me to be able to hear that or to read that. And I knew when I started it, I was not going to be the first to do it. I know today that God willing and I complete it, I won't be the last to ever do it. But I do it just because I enjoy traveling and I enjoy turkey hunting and I get to mix those things together. And to see these guys who have already done it, they have the same interest and they have the same, I guess, burning desire for adventure. And that's what this is all about. And aside from all of that, I think there's so much that new hunters and experienced hunters alike can pick up from this book that I really believe it is a great addition for not only someone's library, but for their turkey hunting Bible, so to speak. And it's full of some additional tricks that people can put in the back of their turkey vest and use when they have that hung up gobbler out there, or they've got one that's just whipped them day in and day out for a week or 10 days or a whole season. And so I want, I want to recommend the book for those reasons. In addition to all of that, it is so nicely put together, and it's got a great selection of pictures in it and captions to go along with the pictures that explain what the birds are that are in the pictures with these guys and where they came from and, and how those birds relate into their goal of killing a turkey in every state. And so... I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. I think I've said that about three or four times now. I don't know what else I can say about it other than thanks, Tom. (laughs) All right, Andy. So I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your Friday and get ready for a holiday weekend coming up. And I look forward to volume two very much. And I do appreciate you taking time to come on and tell us a little bit about the book, your motives behind it, and sharing all of that with us today. Okay, it's been enjoyable. Good hunting. Thank you. You too. Goodbye. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Rather than have Tom tell us everything in the book, in this interview, I wanted you to know his motivation and his why for this book. And I'm not going to belabor the fact that I think this book is one you won't be disappointed in purchasing. So I'm going to move on and tell you guys that I'm calling it a show this week. But before I cut you loose... I have to ask you for two little favors this week. Number one, if you buy a book from Tom, let him know that you learned about it here. 
I get nothing from the sale of these books except knowing that if you buy one, you will learn something about turkeys and or turkey hunting, which is all I really care about. But I want Tom to know that his time spent with me in the interview was not time wasted. And I know that it's not. I know some of you guys are going to buy this book. Favor number two. Please leave me a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Podbean if you haven't already done so. That would be doing me a solid favor, as a matter of fact. So that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week being a new member to the Bottom Lip Poked Out Club. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.